Welcome to Reputation Town. Hitch up your horses, everybody. It's another episode of Reputation Town. This is Warren Weeks, and I'm joined by John Pernak. John, how's it going? Hey, Warren. Good good Friday to you. You've been pretty busy lately. Uh, political stuff, like the election, people getting sworn in. You, you, it seems like you've been pretty busy these days. Yeah, it's it's been a busy time. But um, also, I think just with summer coming and everything, looking forward to taking some time off. It's so hot. But uh, I don't mind the hot. I don't mind you, that. You're inside an air-conditioned house. <laughs> I saw some woman tweeted today. I forget the exact way she put it, but it was basically like, this new son has got to like uh, chill a little bit. He's taking his job too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, anything non-PR that you want to chat about before we jump into our topics for this week? Uh, well, my, my, super skept- my super skeptic in me is... Uh, Saw, saw this news yesterday about that guy, uh, Sully Sullenberger, Sully oh, Sullenberger, yeah, the Miracle yeah. Hudson, Hudson guy, stepped down from some sort of post. Uh-oh. I, I just feel like... <laughs> Something's coming. The shoe, <laughs> the shoe is going to drop. Oh, man, that's always a bad sign. Yeah, I know. Not that uh, not that I perceive him as a hero, but I think he's like held in such high regard yeah. that I'm just I'm just waiting for the, the Clippers to come and chop down that tall daisy. People love to put you up. And then they love to take you down. So, that, yeah, we've seen that so many times in, in our careers that when you see something like that, you're like, mm, there's something. And hopefully, I don't know, I, I have a soft spot for that guy, Sully. Me too. So hopefully um, hopefully nothing uh, of that sort took place. Yeah, okay. But... So, oh, and the Elvis movie. I don't. Are you stoked about this Elvis movie? I, I'm super proud uh, not, not particularly. Why? Tom Hanks looks like he's wearing just like a fat suit. Which I just think looks kind of... Well, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, I, the whole, El, you know, Elvis... Elvis has not held up well in terms of his his place in popular culture in the last twenty years. I don't think. I think he's. I, dis- I disagree. You disagree? Oh, I okay. totally. So what are you basing that on? And an end of one total <laughs> anic- my own anecdote. <laughs> but like, look, you know, looking at him for what it, for what it was, he was the first super famous rock star celebrity like the first world known person there's no and now everybody like it's so dispersed you have hundreds and thousands of people that are you know have their own little their own yeah. uh, little fan clubs but he was the first one of that magnitude and like there's no roadmap for that and which i think leads to why he's doing karate and shooting tvs and guzzling <laughs> pills and trays of cheeseburgers like i don't think that's a recipe for like good mental health but um, you know, if you look at just like the look of a guy, the suits, the voice, it's like yeah, it's 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 cheesy and it's Vegas and all of that. But like man, oh man, he he blazed a trail, and uh, and the revenues that his his um, empire or his enterprise brings in every year, like that's a, I'll, I'll Google it. Oh, you know what I was thinking? We should get an Alexa as our little assistant, and when we need a stat, we can just ask Alexa during the thing. <laughs> but um, it brings good. in tens, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars a year still. I'm sure. I'm sure. So he's not Justin but, Bieber, you know. He's not selling Timbits, but like, man, no. he's, it's a it's a legend. And the guy, I don't know. So it appear it appears I'm more stoked about it than you are. Fair enough. And I'll, I'll kid, probably catch it on the kid, Netflix the kid, or something. The kid that plays him, I have to say, he's, from what I've seen, excellent job. Done a lot of work. Anyway, very good. I'll, I'll, and I've, I've been to Graceland. I will say that. I ever. I remember that. It's kind of sad because it's sort of like. Trapped in time, kind of 70s. No, it's just like, I don't know. I just felt bad. Like, as you're going through the guy's house, it's, uh, and it's like 70s, right? So it's like, it's stuck in the 70s. And so he, mm-hmm. he had three TVs and they're all like 10 inches across and black and white. And this is like the best there was at that time. <laughs> but it's just like, he, it seems like, um, like a circus animal. Like mm. everyone is, like, what would that guy's life have? been if he was just allowed to be a truck driver maybe play some local clubs and you know, he, you know could maybe still have been alive uh, he, i think he'd be like in his mid 80s now but uh anyway well, some people think he is <laughs> it's ironic that tom hanks is wearing the fat suit now and it was actually elvis <laughs> so yeah okay 
So um, why don't we jump in? We have a few. We were trading some emails back and forth. Uh, it's not a, a blockbuster week, but we have. Uh, that's a good way to build expectations. We have a nice <laughs> medley of topics that I think are bigger than the the topic themselves. So like the topic is kind of like of note, but then what are the implications for companies in this area? So I think this could be if you're in the corporate communications world, this could be right up your alley. Um, why don't we start with the the drunk driver, the mm. uh, Mar- Marco Muzo. So I think that's how you say his name, Muzo, Muzo. And so anyone outside um, Ontario or Canada might not be familiar with this, but I, th- I think anyone in the country knows. 2015, horrific crash. Um, this guy is um, an alleged drunk driver. Like, I don't know if they actually... No, he's convicted. He, but he's he convicted. Jail. But I don't know if it was convicted of drunk driving because I don't think he was tested for alcohol. I think mm. he, like, he, he killed the people and he went to jail for that for, oh, for I a see bit. What you mean. So uh, an entire family, like three kids, the grandfather died um, and the grandmother was injured. And the reason the story bubbled up a couple days ago, uh, last Sunday was Father's Day. And the following day, the father of these children was found dead of suicide. And this is seven years later. And, you know, you have kids, I have kids. It's it's hard to even fathom what, what this family has been going through. So what ends up happening is in 2017, the... We should mention also this this individual's family is extremely wealthy. They own construction firms and all this different stuff. And so they're estimated, I read an article, their estimated worth is right, like you know almost $2 billion. And in 20, I think it was 2017, they made a $15 million uh, donation to a hospital in the GTA, to a new hospital that was being built, and they have their name on one of the towers. And so there's been a real big push from the community or, or a subset of it and a, a petition with thousands of fig- signatures to have this name taken off. And um, that's where I wanted to kind of chat about this. Not only this situation in particular, but what happens when an organization takes a big check, could be a hospital, could be a university, could be Subway hooking up with Jared, right? What happens when that relationship goes south? Uh, the hospital, McKenzie Health, the organization that runs the hospital, has come out and said they have no plans at this point to take the name off. They had a very nicely worded statement, and it was very clear, didn't leave a lot of room for wiggle room, like when it's not under review, like this is not going to happen. Um, what are you, We haven't actually talked about this, so I'd love to know your thoughts on the story, and uh, specifically with this situation and the family. And the hospital is not that far. I think it's less than 10 kilometers from the crash site of, mm-hmm. of the accident. So there's a whole bunch of different elements here. Um what are your, I've been talking way too much. So what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, this is, this is a tricky thing, right? When people give donations to charitable organizations, hospitals, whatnot, they expect quite often some sort of naming rights and those name the name's going to stay there for 50 years. Who knows how long? And so obviously any organization that takes funds that way in exchange for naming rights has an ongoing risk that something's going to happen where, you know, information about that person or family changes, comes to light over time or they do something and, and all of a sudden, you know, you're into this cancellation d- debate about what, what should we do? And in this case, like the, the family that made the donation is more than just the son who was the one who was the, alleged drunk driver and mm-hmm. killed these kids and and went to jail. Um, and so as, as a hospital, do you, do you basically say, you know, any, any, any amount of um, negative, negative media around that name means that you have to basically upend, upend that donation. And that's serious because I don't know if people know it, but, Governments don't pay for everything in a hospital. Government will build a hospital, but then it's up to the hospital to basically pay for everything that goes inside of it. And it does that through charitable fundraising. Often the municipality comes forward with a bunch of money to put forward toward what goes inside. And, And in effect, hospitals don't become hospitals unless you've got a robust charitable fundraising arm attached to it. So... And that the, they don't go lightly into the discussion about do we pull someone's name off a, of a hospital like this. I think in this case, I think it makes sense that they didn't because the Muzo family that made the donation is more than just this one person. And 
um, you know, I believe the family has done things over the past number of years since that event happened to, to try and support, um, I shouldn't, shouldn't make it up without knowing, but I think they've done some, had some activities that where they've used, used other philanthropy to help make amends there to, to the extent you could ever possibly try that. So I would say they probably made the right call in terms of the hospital not doing it. I can't imagine it'd have to be a really serious situation where you'd, you'd, you'd strip a name entirely off after a donation like that. What were so, your thoughts on it? So it, the next question is, okay, so what, what has to happen for you to take the name off? What do they have to do? Do they have to kill five people? Do they have to, and I'm serious. Like, is there a, and I, and I, and there's, this is kind of facetious, right? But like, what's, is there a chart where, Oh, if it's this serious, we take the name off. If, the, if it's this serious, we don't like we've, you've look at what's happened in the past number of years, ripping down statues, changing the name of Ryerson university to whatever Metro technical, whatever it's called now. Um, the most boring university name, I have to say, in, in the country. Um, we're renaming streets. We're canceling this person, that person, and understanding it. You know, there's a lot of people in a family. The family name can make, uh, and, and obviously this is a, this is an attempt by the family to try to rehabilitate that 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 reputation and try to like maybe give some goodwill back to the like. There's no winners in this situation. No, I don't know the guy, the kid. I call him a kid just because I'm old. But the 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 individual who's driving, I can't imagine he's having a fun life. Um, yes, he's alive, he's walking around, but I think that most people would be just destroyed by that for the rest of your life. You're like, how, how do you, there's a lot of guilt that goes along with that. I would assume the extended family takes a hit. The, the, the family at ground zero with the, the, the only one left now is the mother. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the epicenter for this. And I can't even, it's almost hard to understand and, and even you don't even want to imagine it. It's, and this is this woman's life every single day. It's, it's just terrible. Um, the only winner, I guess, seems to be the hospital, really. Because they're kind of arm's length. They got the $15 million. The name is on the thing. This will create headlines for a couple of days, and then it'll go away, probably. And then, you know, um, and not to say that they're a winner, but I think they come across, like, they end up with a, with a, nice, a nice payday. And they issue a statement. And, you know, I think within a couple of days, this will probably, you know, we're going to hit the long weekend and this will be in the, in the rear view view mirror, I think. Although that, that name does, the Mutsu name does bring up like this event is, was so shocking and tragic that I think it's going to continue resonating. Like every kind of little milestone that happens. Anniversaries and exactly. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to often come up, but you know, your point about, um, what, what, what has to, is there a reference that you can look at yeah. to say, oh, in this case, it's scenario A12. It I, I, like, uh, I, I hate to say it, but I think it's one of the situations where uh, I'll know it when I see it. Like, is it serious enough to say, oh, we really have to act and, and remove remove a name? Like, that's actually happening in real time. You pointed out Ryerson. They're doing the same thing with um, the entirety of Dundas Street. Yeah. That, they want to the name's being changed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was... But but the trigger can be quite light in some cases. Like there was that statue in Toronto of that um, that um, it was a guy was Alexander Wood. The statue was the first LGBT monument in Canada, mm. and then there was sort of a after it was put in place, somebody came forward with some tangential relationship that he may have had to to um, the residential school system. And, and so they were, somebody wrote a letter to the city and the city scooped it up and, and took it away. So in that case, it's, it's like, how willing are you to stand up to, to pressure public opinion, pressure, public relations pressure mm-hmm. before you act in the case of the city, in that case, they don't want to take any heat at all on, over something like that. So it's easier just to scoop out the statue and move on. From the hospital standpoint, well, they are they have a they have a really good reason not to act quickly and 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 do something like change the naming rights on on a building like that because uh, of you know the impact it can have going forward on healthcare and it's not just the hospital like the hospital is there to serve the people of the community and if they can't buy the actual machines and and stuff that the healthcare professionals use, well, that's a problem, right? The money's got to come from someplace. 
does that just, you know, like $15 million to a hospital, $15 million to us is, is a lot of money. $15 million yeah. to a hospital, it's probably their sandwich budget. Like these are billion dollar, billion dollar buildings mm-hmm. and, and, and operations. And I don't, you know, it, it's not my role to, to operate them. I just think from a reputational standpoint, um, what's, what's the price? That you're, and I guess it's fifteen million dollars in this case. Well, um, it's like you said, it's no win, right? Like, <clears throat> I thought. Oh, well, you didn't say that. You said the hospital kind of wins. They kind of win. I, I kind of would say there's probably no winner because they are they're through gritted teeth, probably issuing that statement. My my um, guess, and I'm just I you know, and I maybe shouldn't even say this because like I don't know if this goes outside the guardrails of, of the podcast, but like my gut feeling is that the communications people who I think were told to put this together or the PR firm, maybe, I don't know, maybe they hired a crisis firm to put this together. I have a feeling that the PR people did, would, would find this a little unsavory. Mm. And I feel like this is one of those things. And and I don't mean to pick on this incident incident or, or instance. I think just situations like this, you'll see something in the news. And I think sometimes it boils down to a phone call Mm -hmm. between two old white guys. (laughs) You don't take that effing name off that hospital or there's no more money for you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not saying that that's what took place, but like, and the other person's like, it's these little deals and these little handshakes, like they're large organizations, but a lot of times it comes down to a phone call, an email, a text. And I think, so the decision, I read the stuff and the, it seems to me the decision was made. That's not happening. It's, we're not even open to it. And I guess if that's the case, then maybe this is the best way to communicate it. So I have a couple quotes from the hospital. I want to read here. These, I, these were from um, a couple of news articles. I saw quote, we understand the strong emotions people have expressed related to the recognition displayed on our hospital, and we accept and respect their concerns. That's one quote. I find the wording very interesting. Like, I'm a wordsmith, so like yourself, I just find the wording, the recognition, and instead of the name, and they don't use the name, and we accept their concerns. Well, if you accept their concerns, then you take the name off. Technically, <laughs> I guess, maybe I'm reading that too literally. And the second quote is, quote, we do not have any plans to remove the signage on the building as it recognizes the family's long history of philanthropy, including many generous donations to McKenzie Health. Their contributions helped build an exceptional health care facility for the community, and for that, we are very grateful. How does that, like, does that fly with you? Not yeah, I think, you I think they're saying, we, we get what you're saying. Why, why, it, there's validity to what you're saying about the, <clears throat> the concern you have over what this guy did, but we don't agree with the outcome that you have in well, mind. I, unless you have $15 million for us to spray it off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to make light. I don't know. It uh, was like, what, what do you want to do in this situation? If you're managing it, you want to probably make it as boring <laughs> as possible. You want to show, show empathy, but making it as boring as possible. So it's not, doesn't persist in the news and um, try and tie this up. So it's a one you know, sort of a one media cycle yeah, thing. And I, I think that the statement kind of reads like that to me. Yeah. It's um, you're right. If that's the goal, then it was a well executed, uh, well executed piece of uh, corporate communication. The, the challenge is they're probably going to have to execute it repeatedly in the future because I don't think it's going to, it's going to be something that is, Oh, it's done. And that's not going to come up again. Maybe. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's tricky. Like, it reminds me of the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. I don't know if you watch that show, but mm-hmm. Larry, Larry David makes a big announce, uh, big donation, but he does like, and it's like Ted Danson does, but he does it through anonymous, but everyone knows who it is. And it's just, it's, I find it, <laughs> these whole naming things are very, you know, the, the egos and everything involved. Like people are or trying what to a, just, what a, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, what about these, there have been a number of high profile cases where uh, people have made donations, accepted all the accolades, and then never actually delivered the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was that? Wasn't uh, there's a a female executive recently? I can't put, I can't place it, but someone who made a whopping gift and then just never paid. I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure of that one, but uh, one of the people who made a big donation <laughs> to the ROM Royal Ontario Museum. Okay. Um, uh, he was a mutual mutual fund guy. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like a thirty million dollar donation, and. Uh, Got all he got all the recognition, but never actually, as far as didn't I recall, the, didn't the market kind of tank around that time? Though, like, wasn't it maybe related? 
I think the thing, but again, you know, if you're going to commit to it, it's like yeah. they're renaming all these arenas now, crypto and this uh, coin, whatever. <laughs> like the, uh, like the market has imploded so much that the, the naming rights deal that they paid for is worth more than the company is now. <laughs> it's crazy. So I don't know, you know, what's the lesson here? Um, I don't know. Like I, I checked out, I went to McKenzie health and I know I've got some followers from there on LinkedIn. Like, I don't know any, anybody there, but I, I feel kind of a kindred spiritness with the, with folks who, who do this kind of work. And I, I went to their Twitter page and it's not super active. You know, they just like marketing and hospital stuff, but you know, so I clicked on the first pinned tweet and what do you think is underneath it? Uh, thank you to the family for this great it's donation. Just, no, it's no, like, I mean the comments underneath. Oh, the comments. Oh, all the comments underneath are it's, and it's just, it's not, it has nothing to do Crit- with the fans. Crit- some, critiques. It's all like, it's a, it's really bad. Like, um, pictures of the kids, pictures of the family, keep accepting that blood money. Like that, 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 that just goes. And it's just, um, and one after another, after another, after another, after another. And so, um, which is, this is going to lead into another topic we're going to talk about in a bit, which is Twitter comments and Twitter replies. But, uh, it's, it's gotta be uncomfortable for everybody all, all around. I'm not sure what the Probably. approach is, but, um, this is, I have to say I've done, um, albeit hypothetical situations with different organizations throughout the years. And this is a, the kind of scenario. I don't know if you've ever done a scenario like this, but um, someone donates a, a bunch of money and then something is found out very negative about them afterwards. And, and it's often, you know, like um, uh, something involving children or, you know, something just like really nefarious. Mm-hmm. And we leave it up to the executives to come up with their approach and, I have to say in almost every case where we've done that scenario, they've decided to take the name off. Now it's hypothetical. So it's not real life. I think it's, it becomes much more complicated when it's real. Um, but um, the implication is like, they would say like, we, we're going to take the name off, but we're not giving the money back. Like, <laughs> because I, I, apparently it's quite difficult with the rules around the Canada revenue revenue agency and the way those things are, are accounted for. It's very difficult to unwind a donation like that. And so, um, I think there always is that recourse, but then of course you're never going to get another donation from that family again. So I think that's what you're looking for here is they're trying to keep the pipeline going for down the road, which is, I don't know. Well, I think that the, the solution too is, if, and I don't I have no idea what was in place in this case, but I think when you have those naming, those naming, um, those, those gifts where naming rights are going to be assigned yeah. to something, there's a contract you sign about what, you will deliver in response to the gift. Right. And, and for for what duration will it happen? Um, But, but typically I think some of those contracts have clauses that say, you know, if uh, something happens that doesn't align with our values, we can always decide to pull the plug if we choose to. Um, And um, you know, the thing is like, this isn't new, right? They've been dealing with this for, for seven years already. Yeah. And, and you're right. It's, it's a member of an extended family. So it's, it's a, there's a lot of factors that make it kind of murky, but it just, I don't know, leaves me with bad taste from a, from a reputation management. But mm-hmm. I, I suspect you're right there. That's what they're trying to do. The communication achieved that it's, it's very boring. It's effective, but boring. No trigger words. Just kind of like, shh, just go to sleep. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and I know that next Tuesday there will be some other crisis, mm-hmm. and then ooh, that like there's always the next thing, and mm-hmm. I think they're just waiting. Don't make it worse, and wait for the next thing. Okay, agreed. <clears throat> okay, switching to well, why don't we have a palate cleanser <laughs> before we? <laughs> um, you sent me a, a tweet about uh, uh, something from the world of pet care. So why don't oh my you God. Uh, bring us through that? I love this. I love this. So. I don't even know. I didn't. I didn't even know this company existed. Um, and uh, it's a it's a dog food company um, called Chewy, and um, this woman posted a tweet saying, "I contacted Chewy last week to see if I could return an unop- unopened bag of my dog's food after he died. They one gave me a full refund. Two told me to donate the food to a local shelter." And three had flowers delivered today with a gift note signed by the person I talked to. And I think her tweet last time I looked had like three quarters of a million 
interactions or something yeah, more than so, that, like 800,000 or 800,000 interactions. And the reason I wanted to draw it out is I thought, so here is an, something that probably costs the company at most, what, a hundred bucks, like between well, not sending like flowers. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sending You're flowers. The food and the flower. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sending the food and the amount of, um, goodwill that they're reaping and, and positive attention that they're, that they're getting from that small act of kindness is, is massive. And it just shows that when it comes to reputation, I don't know. I, th- I feel like people have a perception that reputations are created with, like with grand strokes of like $15 you know, million dollar checks for example. Ma- <laughs> exactly major things that happen. It's a callback folks. It's a callback. And, and I'm going to steal something you said year, to me years ago, Uh-oh. which is you said, you know, public relations is like, like a st- slow and steady rain, right? It doesn't have, it's not like lightning strikes. It's a constant, you know, continual effort to, um, to communicate, deliver the messages you want and your, your vision, blah, blah, blah. And over time that helps shape your reputation. And in this case, I think the same is true. It's like these small gestures that show the values of your company, um, uh, that, uh, the, you know, you have to empower your people in this case, whoever the customer service person was, they're empowered to do these small things and, and, uh, and, and they're going to, they're going to develop a great reputation and reap all these positive benefits from frankly, it's something that doesn't cost very little to do. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is just a great sort of learning experience for people in terms of, you know, what, what can you do to help build a reputation? Well, maybe don't think big, think small, think what, what things can you do every day that can make a difference? Brilliant. I'm flattered that you remembered something I said many years ago. And I kind of vaguely remember that. Um, we used to have those little, uh, coffee breaks out on the street, Mm -hmm. planning our futures. And, uh, and, and it's interesting that like what they did was the thing that you would do for your neighbor, right? Like that's the thing it's a human thing. You would, you would, you'd, you'd make something like when, when someone dies, people come to your house with trays of sandwiches or coffee or whatever. And like, that's basically what they did. Th- this is not the first time this has happened and I, I can't place it and I'd have to do some, some searching, but, and it might've been the same company. Like they might be the, the OGs who came up with this, but it might be five, six, 10 years ago. There was another situation similarly viral where the same thing happened and that was the approach. Now, I don't know if this is a company that kind of copied that approach. I think it might be them because the name seems familiar, but the rain, the little thing turned into the lightning bolt, right? Like it turned into it because now they have this, this massive, like, could you even put a dollar figure on, like it's in the tens of millions of dollars of free advertising they've gotten from this mm-hmm. and, and not to be cynical, like I'm an animal lover, I've got some roaming around the house. I have a cat sleeping about 15 feet from me right now. But um, this is, it, it's it's a tactic. Like, it's it's a tactic. Like, they have this written in. If this ever happens, this is what we do. It's the right thing to do. But, like, it's, this leaves me with a, uh, even though it's, like, a tactical thing, it's delivered in such a human way, and it has such an impact that uh, this has, obviously, a much bigger, uh, much more positive feeling than, uh, than the previous story that we were talking about. And you're right. Like reputation is not necessarily cutting a check. And, and, and that's going to, that's going to be a theme that we talk about in the, in the next story as well. Um, money really does weigh these things down in, in certain areas. Um, so congrats to Chewy and uh, great story. So next one that you flagged that you want to talk about, and this has been going on for a couple of weeks now is the, uh, the golf situation. Yeah, so I I don't watch golf, but I I started following this story from just from a sort of reputation management standpoint. So the backstory of this is, honest to God, I don't know which Saudi prince or which Saudi royal family member loves golf and decided this was a good idea to invest in. But the Saudis have backed a competing golf, not even a tournament, it's like a league to the PGA. And I guess the rules of the PGA are if you hold a PGA card, you can't play in another league. And so the Saudi backed uh, league started up, I think it's called live L I V and they have basically been throwing money around trying to attract golfers away from the PGA 
They got Greg Norman. Huge money, yeah. They got Greg Norman to be, I guess, the lives president if, in effect to run mm. to run the league. If, you know, retired, famous golfer, Australian. He's Australian, right? I think. Yeah, he's the master of the choke, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, he was the master. Like, I'm not a big golfer, but that's that's to me that's his reputation. That goofy hat and choking in golf tournaments. There you go. So he's I'm he's the, he's the guy in charge. Golf fans right now, probably. So, I've, so in effect. The problem I have is you've got a regime, a Saudi regime that is known for, if it's not murdering journalists, it's, it's you know, maybe uh, um, not really being greatest when it comes to human rights. Um, trying to build something, uh, this, 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 a strong brand around this golf, this golf league um, by using its financial resources to, to do so. So they've managed to lure a bunch of golfers over, um, and they've had at least the first tournament. And there was a bunch of there was a bunch of controversy um, when it came to uh, the f- the first tournament and how they were treating journalists and stuff. But the the takeaway I wanted to bring forward is, you know, here is an organization that has a real problem. The Saudis have a reputation problem, and they are trying to build an event that has a better reputation than Roan, which is tough to do because, you know, they kind of loom large behind it. And I think the, the other lesson here is that you may have tons of cash, but cash alone is not going to help you build that reputation. You know, we've seen the way that, that other journalists have been, you know, basically calling out very clearly that, you know, it's the Saudis behind all this and, you know, they're generously throwing money at people to come over and it makes it seem very transactional. Um, so, it, so in effect, they're not being very successful in creating this, this strong brand. And, and if you're look at, looking at what kind of longevity is this going to have, I don't know, who knows, right? But um, it's certainly not a great start for it. And it just shows you that money is not going to buy you a reputation, it has to be earned, and I think you earn it in different ways than they're approaching it. I, I, I know, Morn, you, you said you hadn't been following it too closely, but did you have any thoughts on it? Well, I have to think that the PGA is, because <clears throat> it never even occurred to me that you could come up with your own version of it. I just thought, like, that's the thing. It's It's been there. And so they've been enjoying this monopoly on golf at that level, I suppose. And that seems to be under attack. I guess the organization, <clears throat> what do you do? They've got to be in this crisis mode. They're probably trying to shore up golfers and having all these phone calls. Like this is a huge breach and a huge threat to their organization. Um, the game as a whole, maybe taking a hit. I don't know. Um, you mentioned journalist Bob Costas. And uh, this is just a paraphrase, but he basically said that Greg Norman and the other golfers he helped lure away are taking basically blood money. That was his quote. And then I guess Greg Norman, there's been this bit back and forth, uh, tit for tat kind of thing. Greg Norman came back and was saying, well, you know, all the sponsors of the PGA, so many of them are involved and invest in the Saudi. Are you going to go talk to all of them? And so this is really, for a bunch of millionaires whacking a ball with a stick, this is pretty ugly. <laughs> it's pretty ugly stuff. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But like my, my understanding is they're paying each of these guys a huge, like one golfer, I can't remember who it was, but four and a half million dollars. Here's a check, boom, now you're with us. Um, and there was a, a Canadian golfer who signed with them. RBC dropped him immediately. He was, they were, he was there. They were his sponsor, dropped him. Phil Mickelson did the same KPMG dropped him. And so you're seeing a lot of, and it goes back to what we said earlier, tying your brand to a certain name or a certain, you know, in this case, a golfer. And so there's going to be a lot of turmoil here. Um, you know, they're just, they've just been hoovering up all this money from the oil industry and now they're just sprinkling it around. And it's interesting to see who is, uh, who, who they're making to, to jump and do this again. I don't, you know, I don't really have a, a, a dog in this fight. Is it, can you even say that anymore? Is that an, an inappropriate phrase? <laughs> a horse, I, like the, I don't I have a frown horse upon in this dog race. fighting. Organized dog fighting a, is poor form. I, I don't have a golfer in this tournament, to, <laughs> to, but, uh, it'll be interesting like a year from now, you know, do they have enough money to to threaten the PGA? I don't know. We'll see. Because like, these so gol- far, they've gotten some big names. Are these golfers that go over like if this if the live thing is not a long live thing? If you're if you're a thirty five year old golfer and you're or a thirty year old golfer, you're being lured over, and this thing peters out three four years from now, like 
I hope you saved your pennies because you may not be able to, <laughs> to make it back to the other league. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, anything else on that one? I, I just I think it's gonna be interesting to keep an eye on it. Um, particularly it's like TMZ as, for golf. Yeah, it's kind of like a slow moving accident right now. Yeah, I also looked up the uh, Elvis's revenues. Obviously, uh, posthumous. What do you think his enterprise made in twenty twenty one? Uh, like a billion dollars. Oh my god, that's like so huge. It was thirty million. Thirty million a billion. Yeah. <laughs> now you're making it. You made it seem low now. <laughs> that's pretty a good billion. though. Thirty million. The guy's been dead for how long? Um, seventy six, seventy seven. Yeah. So it's like a hundred years, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it. And you're talking about Chewy, the dog food company. It just I yeah. I thought I saw this story the other day. On Twitter, there was a guy who had worked at Burger King for 27 years. Did you see the story? No. And 27 years at Burger That's King. That's a long time. Can you imagine? And the company, to recognize his milestone, gave him like a little goodie bag. And then he had basically put that on social media. Like, I don't know what the, the I didn't read all the context. and the and the, But I just found like that, when you have this dog food company going above and beyond for this woman they've never met and sending her flowers and having this heart felt thing. And this guy's spent 30 years flinging or slinging hamburgers at your place. And you give him this little $9 bag of crap. Like it just, just, I don't know. Uh, That's, that's, that's cringeworthy. And so the, the, the result of that though, that, that tweet or post or whatever went viral on a couple different platforms. And I'd have to say Burger King takes a hit. Like these little things, the way you treat people can blow up and become these massive stories. And so I just thought that was kind of, kind of gross. Well, I I have no idea if this is the case, but like a lot of those stores are franchises and, and the interesting thing there is that a franchisee can think they're doing this, this great gesture for the employee, but somebody in corporate looks at that and says, Oh my God, that's a terrible idea. Like that's, that's a good point. And they, and they end up having to eat the, the problems that their franchisees are creating. It just shows you how complicated comms can be in those environments. Because if you're sitting in the, in the corporate HQ, how can you possibly be like have line of sight into, you know, 15,000 locations that are franchised and, Right, like it's, and you're gonna, but you still, gonna, you, as you said, they will still uh, wear it. Yeah, unfortunately, um, or or deservedly, I don't know. And so the last one that we can chat about is, uh, and it's just these little interesting. Like I, I, um, I use Twitter Blue. Do you, are you aware of this? Have you seen I am. this? Are you do you do it or I, I haven't subscribed now. So it's like the only reason I do it is because there are these fold. It's like four bucks a month. And you, there's a couple of other features, but like the big one for me is folders. It's like I used to bookmark all these tweets and I would never go because it's just like, ah, it's like a hoarder's back room. <laughs> and so it allows you to put things in these. So I'll see something. Oh, Reputation Town. I'll pop it in. And so this is one from six days ago. TTC, that's the transit commission here in Toronto. A week ago, there was an incident where, and I don't know all the details about this, but there was a woman who was standing on the platform and an individual comes up to her and sprays some liquid on her, I guess a flammable liquid, and lights her on fire. And I guess they dealt with her. Hopefully she's okay. Um, What we're talking about is the response. So a tweet from six days ago, TTC Media Relations um, this is a statement from CEO Rick Leary on today's incident at Kipling Station. And so this is dated um, June 17th, 2022. And I'm just going to kind of not read through the whole thing, but give you the basic gist of it. So um, like all Torontonians, oh, hang on, I got to make this bigger because <laughs> my eyesight. <laughs> like all Torontonians, we at the TTC are shocked by today's attack at Kipling Station. Our thoughts are with the victim for a full recovery. I have spoken to Chief Raymer and offered Toronto Police our full support as they investigate and work to bring a suspect to justice. I know incidents like this are concerning for our customers, and I share that concern. Safety is paramount to all we do, and I'm committed to ensuring the TTC remains as safe as possible. We move hundreds of millions of customers every year without incident, but we cannot and we cannot and do not take that for granted. To that end, we're always looking at ways to improve safety for both customers and employees. The TTC has numerous features and programs, and they talk about you know special constables, working with the police cameras and emergency alarms, two-way communication systems, uniform staff throughout the system, uh, an app to report suspicious incidents. Our control center has a direct line to 911. So it's just like this grocery list of things. And here's how it ends. 
We are also actively recruiting new special constables as we expand the size of the unit, and we have a growing partnership with Streets to Homes that assists people in crisis. We're also modernizing our stations to add more cameras and have more staff visible to deter criminal acts. And then the little 30 thing at the end of a, of a news release or whatever. And that's it. So I read that out. You've been in the game for, what, three decades, kind of like myself. What are your thoughts? It felt very sort of, well, I guess two, two, th- two thoughts. It felt very lawyered and it felt very um, <laughs> sort of pre- Pre, pre, pre canned, like written. It's like one of those statements where everyone has a hand in adding little bits and pieces and it kind of loses its humanity <laughs> as it goes along. Mm-hmm. But how, how did you react to it? Kind of similar. Like it, it's like they had a, um, like a big pot full of just canned messages and they just pulled them out and like stuck them on like fridge magnets. And, <laughs> and it, it, and it does have that sense of like, well, we got to put that in. We got to put this in. We got to take that out. So for sure the lawyers, and yet you have to have lawyers at the table, but they shouldn't be dictating media relations policy. Like everyone has a voice and ultimately mm-hmm. the leaders make a decision, but it sounds kind of sterile to me. And I don't know, like, does it, I guess anyone listening to this, you have to make your own decision. And if you are in Toronto and you ride the TTC, does this statement make you feel safer or does it make you feel less safe? Does it make it feel like these people have my back or does it make it feel like, uh, oh, this is just a problem that they're trying to make go away. I don't know the answer, I'm just saying that that this statement seems a little um, a little thoughts and prayers to me. Um, mm. you know, they didn't mention details about the victim. They didn't talk about the circumstance. They didn't name the suspect. Like, I don't know. Are these not as a former journalist? Are these not relevant facts to have to have detailed here? Um, is there a call to action for other people? What can we do? Uh, how do you keep yourself safe? What should we be looking out for? I don't know. Um, and just the whole news release kind of just format of it was kind of, it seems a little 1980s to me. Um, you know who I think would have really handled this a lot better is Brad Ross. Mm. The guy who, he's now I think um, chief communications officer for the city of Toronto, but he was the face of the TTC for so many years. And <clears throat> I was fortunate to sit down with him before the pandemic and we had a chat for my my other uh, kind of the interview style podcast. Excellent communicator, great guy, un, like real empathy. And he would be down there on camera. Anytime there's any kind of F up, he'd be there talking to the media. He had that relationship, felt more human. And, and ultimately like when you thought of the TTC, you thought of him and, or that guy, Andy, what was that guy's name? The guy who was like running around shaking everybody's hands. Oh, Andy like there's, there's these, these personalities, right. That kind of took accountability. And, and that's what I find kind of missing here. This seems like just something you write and throw over the wall and the final piece that I'll mention on this is, is that the tweet does not allow people to comment. So as I talked about earlier, and so I'm not sure what, what side of this I'm landing on. Because on the hospital, Mackenzie Health, you go through their comments, and it's like, it's like a dumpster fire of people just trashing them. Now, that's not pleasant. But on one hand, there's a transparency to that that I kind of respect. They're like, you know what? We're taking our lumps. And here you have the TTC, which is basically has its fingers in its ears, like la 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 la. Like we want to hear from you, but not on Twitter, you know. So, <laughs> so I don't know what to take away from that. Like I, I'd prefer to have I have it opened up, and yeah, you're gonna have some trash in there, and if there's profanity or anything else, you can you can kind of deal with that. But um, it just seems a little ivory tower to me. That's my kind of feel. Well, what here's a thought: when you read about people's attitudes toward government. Like, I don't know, pick, pick your pick your poll, but people do polls often about, you know, how, how, is, how is the level of trust with our organizations? And I don't think people really have a great lot of trust in government. And when you're pursuing a media relation, or let's forget about media relations, when you're, when you're communicating with people in the way that from a, let me back up. I think there's an overly over over reliance on this idea of issue management needs to drive how we run our communications. We we have to reduce risk. And as a result, what you end up doing is you end up doing things like using statement-based communications. It's to your point, it's a statement that has, you know, a predetermined mix of this and that in it and, mm-hmm. and very little humanity versus somebody who's actually stepping out in front of the camera and putting a human face on, on government and, and being genuine in what they have to say. I think the the former just reinforces the skepticism in government and, and, you know, doesn't 
certainly not going to move the needle on that lack of trust that exists. But if you're, if you're taking a smart risk, a measured risk by saying, yeah, I'm going to put myself out in front, but I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to actually, you know, try and connect with people. You have a better chance of, of doing it. I think you articulated it really well. Just the, the approach that had been used before with having a spokesperson there. Now it just, it, it takes a lot of, um, takes a lot of guts to be able to say yeah i want to as an organization like the more senior people i'm, I'm going to allow that kind of approach to happen because they may be putting themselves at risk if that person screws up or you know it, it doesn't go so well um not not everyone has has that kind of strength of will to let that happen i think I, I would argue that if you're going to be a leader of an organization, especially one that size, you need to get that skill. Like that's, you know, if your plane crashes, you go to where it is. If your boat capsizes, you go to where it is. Yeah. If you're, you know, water contamination, you go to where it is. Like Michael McCain. I don't think he enjoyed that. Maple Leaf no. Foods, 2008. Like he's always held up as the you know greatest example. Like I, he looked like he was going to throw up during that that YouTube video. You can look it up. Maple Leaf Foods, Apology, 2008. One minute, six seconds long on YouTube. The guy looked visibly shaken. And that's kind of how I want him to look. You know, I don't want him polished like like that the guy from Boeing reading off a teleprompter 10 months later, you know, all slick and, you know, we made some mistakes. And you can see his eyes going back and forth. Like that's, mm-hmm. that, that does not build a reputation. No. Um, no, agreed. I don't know. It's... Uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult job. It's hard to do these things. It's a, it, you're, you're in fight or flight mode, no matter what people say with a situation like this, like, Oh my God, someone was set on fire at the subway. It's a horrible, horrible story, but that's why you have training. That's why you have, like, you have to get good at this stuff before it happens. And then I, I think you nailed it. There was a bunch of different people pulling in different directions. Like I'm sure there was someone saying we should be more transparent, get someone on camera. And someone's like, to hell with that. <laughs> and, and this is, I think, a, a, a takeaway for it doesn't matter what business you're in. Hopefully you don't deal with a crisis if you do. And I'm, I'm especially talking to the, anyone in the long-term care sector, although I sadly doubt that anybody from that sector is listening. If you are, let me know because I'd love to hear from you. All the stuff they went through during the pandemic, their sector got it probably worse than any other, including healthcare in general. And... I would have conversations with some of these folks, you know, um, I'd be walking down a trail, talking to an executive director, they're having this crisis, that crisis, just giving some advice and thoughts Mm. on how to handle the the communication or media part. And I would invariably say like, look, you know, your key audience is your families. They're the people who are living in your home, the people who work there, grab your phone, do a two minute video, put it on your Facebook page. And they would like, that's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not doing that. Like, why would I do that? Like that's, there's huge risk in that. And I think, I think your point is like, there's huge risk in not doing that. Exactly you know? like, right. Doing nothing the, is, is not a riskless option. Yeah. No comment is the worst comment, right? It's all mm-hmm. in that category. Um, but your brain tells you different when it's, you know, when you're in that mode. And mm-hmm. so now of course, you know, don't do the video live. Like you might want to do a couple takes, make sure you nail it. Like I'm not saying like, <laughs> just go willy nilly and improvise it. But like, I would rather see, I want to look inside the eyes of the executive so I can tell whether I trust them or not. Do I, are they genuine or not? And with a statement like this, where they just kind of throw it up and you can't even respond to it. It just, it does, I think kind of the opposite. Uh, I I agree with you in this circumstance, hundred percent, especially with uh, that on both accounts, definitely on the media front, but also on the social media front. I think in this case, um, if you're trying to build trust with your customers, in this case, writers, having an open dialogue is important. Yeah. I, there's, there's other circumstances where I'll, I'd, I could argue that you, you might want to not do that, but, um, yeah. but uh, in this case, I, I agree with you, hundred percent. Anything else before we wrap it up? The typical journalism question. <laughs> None of these things, but I, I, I have a feeling that um, given the, the, the currents of change happening in on many fronts in government, 
in North America. There's going to be cascading effects of issues in Canada that we're going to see over the next few weeks. So I think we're going to have a lot to talk about over the next couple of podcasts. Are you talking about Roe v. Wade or other? That's one of the, one of them. I think there's just a number of like social. There's a lot of smoldering, smoldering fires. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So you want to go see the Elvis movie this weekend? <laughs> Come on, I'll pick you up. I'll, t- be great. <laughs> I'll check the. I'll check what Rotten Tomatoes has to say first. I'm going to call it. I called the last uh, Academy Award for uh, the Joker guy, Joaquin Phoenix. I'm going to call. I haven't even seen the movie yet. I'm going to call it. Okay. Elvis Oscar. Do you think he'll like slap somebody? Uh, hopefully they have a little barricade up this time. <laughs> haven't seen a lot of Will Smith, I gotta say. No, it's probably a oh, good. Oh, you thing. know, just a little final thought before we go. Um, are you're not a Fitbit guy anymore, are you? We used no, to. No, I'm on the Apple Watch. Yeah. Is it? Do you recommend the Apple Watch? I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So um, I've had a Fitbit since 2014, and like, there's we're running out of. I'm running out of people with them, and that was the community part. So I might, I might end up joining you. But in the days after the Will Smith thing, uh, for whatever reason, I went to their page just to log in because you have a dashboard and you can like see how you slept and stuff like that. And there was a picture of Will Smith on there and it'd be, be like Will or be strong like Will. And they had all these pictures and they had obviously paid him a ton of money to be their guy. And do you remember any of this? No, I don't. So it was never public. They didn't come up with an announcement, but he was, it was like a soft launch. He was there. So Will Smith is plastered all over the Fitbit site. And I sent them a DM. I'm like, hey, uh, <laughs> you know, this is awkward, but you might want to take oh, <laughs> take down the Will Smith. It's just because it's so toxic. And um, I don't even think they responded to me. But then uh, a couple weeks later, I checked and he's gone. So uh, they, the folks at Fitbit, I kind of made the right call from her because that's not going to help you. No. And it was there was this kind of like almost like violent, like it was aggressive athletic verbiage, but it was just like not a good look. So um <laughs> I think that hopefully that that tweet made it up to somebody that DM and they they pulled the plug on it. But uh, too funny, too funny. We laugh at it. It's like, Just all right. that, that they found that was the circumstance they found themselves in. <laughs> it's hilarious. Bad timing, bad time. But it could, could have been worse, right? Oh God, yeah. Some you know some celebrity could have tweeted it and it blows up and become. But I think they avoided it altogether. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, great to see you. Uh, we'll do this again, uh, hopefully next week. Yeah, and thank you to everyone for listening, of course, as always. And if you have a story that you want us to cover, hit us up by e- email or um, just uh, you know follow us on Twitter, send us a note or something and let us know. Because I'm sure there's stories that people think we should be following that we're not because we can't touch on everything. But there, if there's one you want me to chop up for next week, let us know. All right. Talk soon. <laughs> All right. Take care, John. See ya. Thanks for stopping by. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, or recommend the show. See you next time.